All scripture is given for spiritual understanding and natural application. So what we are about to begin to read is supposed to give us spiritual understanding to know how the Spirit of God works, how things work, and then we go and use it in our lives. So we have been in this vault series now for four weeks. This is session eight. And I, I literally was like in a time warp because doing the same thing on Sundays and Wednesdays, not like the same message, but different messages on the same topic, it just felt like it's been like a long time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we started this months ago. I'm like, oh, no, this was only like, like four weeks ago. And there's been a ton of information. The information is to help us understand spiritual things. To where, as we understand it, we can begin to apply it. That's a really long way to say that all Scripture is given for spiritual understanding and natural application. If you have one without the other, you end up with one of two things. You end up with hypocrisy, where you have a whole lot of spiritual understanding, no natural application. People look at you, and you can quote all these things to you, but they're like, it doesn't look like it works. Or you can have the reverse of that, where you have a whole bunch of actions, but you have no spiritual understanding, and we call that religion. If you don't couple the two together, then you end up with one of those two things. And it is vitally important that we understand the reason that we're doing this. I was having a, a couple conversations just yesterday, and, um, uh, and I was, I was, we were hanging out, and I was like, hey, i got to go a little early because i got to go finish up studying. <laughs> and... <laughs> This was the statement that they were like, oh, yeah? Like, I was like, yeah, like, I've studied it, you know, but i got to go finalize it because we're taking off. And I started explaining what we're doing, right? Y'all ever tried to explain to anybody what we're doing here ever about anything we do? It's like, I don't really, like, just, just show up. I don't know. We're, just, we're going to do stuff. But it, it's like these, I was, like, describing. We're taking all four Gospels, and we're paralleling them and finding where the same stories occur so we can understand the whole picture. And he's like, well, that doesn't sound like it takes much study. It's just the same story four times over. And I was like, well, kind of, like, you know. But that type of, of thought process and approach creates spiritual laziness. We never go to the gym. We're just going to refer. We're going to call this gym day. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 it creates a laziness thing like, I know this. And it's not because there's a bunch of hidden information in there. It's just because we're so lazy, we didn't understand how to, 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 how to, how to cultivate it and, and like what it's trying to express to us to change our mindsets, to change the way we view things. And so we end up with either the understanding or no application, right? And why we're paralleling these is because when we look at everything that was shared with us, it is to give us this, this understanding of the person of Christ and what his purpose was and then what your purpose is. See, because we have a word that we tend to call ourselves, which is unfortunately probably not so true, which is the word Christian. See, most of y'all know what the word Christian is? Like, yeah, it's the religion that, you know, is all Western culture. No, the word Christian literally means to be Christ-like. So when I say we call ourselves that, but it's probably not so true, who would just be honest and be like, yeah, I'm probably less like Christ than I am like the devil. No, uh, <laughs> like, 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 like myself, right? We tend to kind of exemplify man more than we do Christ. That doesn't mean that you're not worthy to be. Don't get into all that shame, whatnot. That has no place in the spirit of God whatsoever, okay? Scriptures tell us we come boldly before the throne of grace. It's not a throne of wrath. It's, not a th it's a throne of grace. But to come boldly, really that word boldly means to be completely exposed. Like, so it's kind of like to come with all your dirty laundry, 
and be like, here it all is. I was saying, here's all my dirty laundry. I wet the bed, everything. I'm a mess, God. Just can you help me? That's what was going through my head. Okay, sorry. But that's what it means to come boldly. So don't go down that whole path. Okay? But when we look at paralleling these, it is not so we can just puff ourselves about, oh, I have paralleled all the four Gospels, and I can tell you the exegeton of the Greek words. Do we look at the Greek words? Yes. Why? Because we don't understand the language that they wrote in, right? I was, I was listening to something the other day that was recorded back in the 30s and 40s. It happened to be C.S. Lewis. If you've ever listened to anyone speak from that time period, like it, even, that's only not even quite 100 years ago, almost. And it's just like, what are you saying to me right now? Like, just pause and have to look up words. That's in the English language, right? So that's why we do it. It's not because we're like, ooh, they've all got it wrong. And there's this super spiritual special thing happening. No, it's because, well, we are getting it kind of wrong, but it's in our concepts. It's in our understandings because we're getting lazy with it. And we don't say, I'm going to do the due diligence. I'm going to take the spirit that is placed in me, that, that is sharing with me the truth. And then I'm going to find the executable actions that Christ seems to to portray to me to do. Does that make sense? Now, we've covered a lot, but this topic that we're on right now, we did it last Sunday, and it's the wise and foolish blank. Wise and foolish servant, wise and foolish virgins, wise and foolish builders. He uses this idea quite a bit. And so when we look at these, we, we, like I said, we, we went through lots of scripture. We're going to read a little bit more today. But it's this idea. And most of the parables, by the way, when you look at all the parables of Jesus, they're comparing two things. Always. Like there's very few of them that doesn't have a two-part, like here's, here's the way it's supposed to be, and here's your way. If we can just say it plainly, okay? Bad way, good way. Your way is always this way. His way is over here. And until, until, I thought I got it out. I didn't. Until your way doesn't exist anymore and only his way exists. And he gives it to us this way as a wise and foolish servant, builder, or virgin. Now, we covered this idea of the wise and foolish builder. And we covered this idea of the wise and foolish virgin. Now, when I say that, a lot of you are like, foolish virgin. Again, right? And even in English, we're like, this is a weird story. Like... Ten women are supposed to get married to the same dude, and we miss it. We miss the whole point. And I had nothing to do with it. Go back and listen to last Sunday. We described the understanding of, of a wedding and like what that all meant in their culture, so we understood the parable. Not because it was hidden, just because we don't do things that way. They have week-long parties for a wedding, right? So we understood the virgin side of it. And it was really the, the thing that Christ was trying to point out to us about the wise and the foolish one. It all has one idea. A wise one is defined as this, one who hears... And does. And a fool is one who hears but does not do. That's the definition. We look at this with the builder. Who knows the old, old uh, church Christian, you know, little, little children's church song. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. What does it say? Like that? The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. I was supposed to be raised in church. I was supposed to know this. You know. Um, so... We have these songs, right? What is it? Wise. He heard and understood and did. So he built the, the dwelling place on a firm foundation, something that didn't move. The other guy knew that that was supposed to be done, but he's like, eh, I'm just going 
just going to kind of build it straight on the sound. It's sand. And what it means well in the sand is like no foundation. It's something that shifts. So this idea was something that was firm, solid, unchanging, unmoving. One may would say holy. And this other one over here doesn't have any of that. It just shifts and changes with the tides. Because specifically that word sand there meant like the ones that's heaped up on the beach. So like, you know, every morning and every night it's just different. Okay, I've had the opportunity to go to Belize several times, and I will be going again in, in July with all of your students, and we're going to have a fantastic time. And if you ever, who's ever been on a beach, right? And who's ever been there when the tide comes in and goes out? And like in different times of the year even, it's like, this is a disgusting. It smells, and there's stuff all over the beach. And then like you come the next time, it's like, it's crystal clear water. Just think Galveston. Like you get that one day that Galveston is beautiful, and the rest is just like seaweed, and there's stuff. But as the tide changes, the moon changes, in the evenings, you know, it'll come up, it'll come down, and the sand goes, moves back and forth. That's your life. Just we never know what we're going to get, right? Every day, every moment, it's changing. So if you look at your life and you say, wow, that, that kind of really describes my life. It's like back and forth. That means you've got a house, a dwelling place built on this temporal world. And it says when the rains and the floods and the storm came, what happened? It fell and it was great. Not like great, awesome, like great, big, bad, destructive. So if we observe our life and say, well, I am that foolish builder. I am constructing and building my life around these ideas, these, around these temporal things that shift and change. My emotions are one of them. Anything built around your emotions will shift and change within 30 seconds. Come on. Who's been in a conversation? I'm just going to. Yes, a conversation. Thank you, Jade. A conversation with your spouse. That's a no, son. Put your hand down. Okay. <laughs> Taryn and I have been in conversation. It's like, yeah, can't go. And one person says one thing wrong. It's like, wait, wait, wait. What are we arguing about now? Why are we mad at each other? What is that? Emotions shift, change. How about your thoughts towards a thing? Your thoughts shift and change constantly. One minute you like this person, the next minute you don't. One minute you're going you're gonna to get up early and exercise, and the next you're not. Right? This is the things that are shifting and changing in life constantly. There's only one thing that I know of. If you know of something else, please do tell. But I only know of one thing that is constant, consistent, no matter any circumstance, any time, any place, any, any planet, any multiverse. I don't care what concepts you want to throw out there. There's only one thing I know of, and it's called the Spirit of God. That is the only thing that is unchanging. How do I know it's unchanging? I can look in the book of Genesis, which was written, give or take, about uh, somewhere around like 3,500 years ago is like kind of the first recording. And it kind of tells me the same thing that dudes told me for the last, you know, 3,000 or some, some odd years. So basically, since recorded history, it's kind of always the same. This is the only thing. And it says, your house, your dwelling. <laughs> Come on, guys. Who's ever said this about a situation? You know, I'm going to just need to kind of think on that for a minute. I'm going to need to dwell on that for a minute. You're going to have to give me some time on that. What does that mean? That's going to be the thing in front of my face in which I am focusing on, I'm looking at, I'm examining. So a dwelling is that. So if you build a dwelling spiritually, that means that's always in front of your face. Here's what I like to think about it. Let's stop the Snapchat. I got another one. Snapchat gospel. 
I got all these different types of gospels. I got Wizard of Oz gospel, click your heels three times, go to heaven. Nope, not true. Star Wars gospel, God is a force that I can use to do what I want him to do. Nope, not true. Uh, Little Mermaid gospel, you just want to be a part of the world, you know. Like, we got all of them. We got, and now we've got a new one. <laughs> we, 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 it's, it's not Snapchat gospel. It's not like, oh, just apply this new filter. There's supposed to be one filter that does not change. Thus, the way I look at things does not change. Can I just preach for a minute? I'm going to. Okay. That means, oh, this is going to hurt so bad and so good. That means when I look at someone, no matter what in God's name they did, the filter doesn't change. I still am supposed to see them as an image bearer of the love of God expressed in humanity. I mean, no matter what they do to me, that's how I have to look at them. I know, that's the hardest one. I just went ahead. I ripped the Band-Aid off and just said that one first. Instead of like, no matter how you look at a situation in life, no, let's just go for the jugular and be like, it's people. So if we are playing Snapchat gospel, the filter changes. Based off of what they did, it's like, Scroo. or based off how I feel. Scroo. Today, I feel like I want the little hearts behind me. But a constant, consistent dwelling over here the wise builder is a filter that is unchanging. It's the Spirit of God that says everything. So a filter works kind of this interesting way if you've ever looked at a filter. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you pour something through a filter like you're straining something, right? What happens? Like I squeeze limes a lot. Like I have a little lime press thing and squeeze limes. And then you get all the pulp in there, so you got to get that out. So what do you do? Pull it through a julep strainer. And you pour it through, and all the juice comes out, but all the pulp and the nastiness stops it. So that is the Spirit of God filter, and all your nastiness wants to come out, and he stops it, and he says, now let me deal with it, and I'll clean it out. The interesting thing is, is if you try to push something the other way in a filter, it goes right back in there. Think of your garbage disposal. It's just sitting in there, getting, I mean, just, y'all ever had something? Like, I have kids, so... You know, they pour something down the garbage disposal but forgot to turn it on, and they just leave it there. And you're walking around the house like, what is that? What, what is that? And then you realize it's because it wasn't dealt with. This is what it means to be built on the rock in which there's a filter that every time anything that's going to come out of me, I'm going to let that be my filter to say when I say it and when I don't. If it is the Spirit of God, it gets right through there, no problem. If it's not, it gets stopped Oh, isn't that interesting? This, this hurts so good. And it's right there, and i got to now deal with it and say, God, that's yours. I see that. I'm going to get rid of it. That's a wise builder. You heard, and you did. A foolish one over here hears but doesn't do and shifts the filter according to my liking. Remember that one. Snapchat gospel. That's good. This is what Jesus is talking about. Wise, foolish. Hear and do. Hear, not do. And he talks about this wise and foolish idea a ton. It is, like if you were to look at all of his parables, it's actually the second most mentioned concept. The first is this idea of something lost and found, which we're going to get to pretty soon. He has a whole, whole lot about that idea. And then the next one is wise and foolish. The interesting thing is, 
is this. When we get to the lost and found, who's ever heard of like, I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but now I see. It's like we have songs about it. How about, yeah, that's amazing, Grace, if you didn't know that. Okay. Uh, so how about this? Here, we'll, we'll just update it a little bit for some of, some of the, the millennials in the room. Is, you know, oh, the overwhelming never ending. Reckless love of God. Okay, that's based off of Jesus saying, hey, a good shepherd has 99 sheep, goes and finds the one, right? So we get that. Lost, found. We get it. See, that conversation that we're going to get to is when Jesus is talking to you as to what you were, lost, now you're found, and that's how you're supposed to now look at people, right? I want to go find them. The wise and foolish is talking to all believers. There is no unbeliever in the story. Remember I said I was going to make enemies, Sharon? I didn't think I was going to make enemies. After the worship, I was like, no, we're not. I'm going to make enemies in a minute. The wise and foolish are both people that are believers. Okay. So we like to say, like, oh, I'm not an unbeliever, so I'm not the foolish. No, you're, you're one of these. And sometimes, because we're inconsistent in Snapchat and we keep changing the filter, sometimes we are like, we are wise. And it's like we got one pole in the ground. Like we are starting a foundation. But the next minute we jerk it up and we come over here. Like, like just constantly shifting and changing. We are one of these. They're both believers in the story. So when Jesus is saying, hey, here's the wise. He builds his house on the rock. And when these storms came, notice the storm hit both of them. So let's get rid of the, the, I don't have a gospel name for this one, but just a fairy tale gospel concept that whenever you get saved, I'm now floating on clouds. Peace, love, and bulletproof marshmallows. This is, this is life now. Don't you want to be saved so your life can be better? That is the biggest lie. If anyone ever told you that, sorry. There is no scripture that backs that concept up one iota. A little country for you. One time, okay? <laughs> not, not one time can you find somewhere. Matter of fact, Jesus says, because of this, you're going to be persecuted and be happy. Let's just start making those billboards. Yeah? Become a believer, life stays the same, but you're happy about it. Doesn't sell well. The idea is that you're constant, consistent as God is. <laughs> Okay, so this idea that all of a sudden things get better over here, and then, you know, and, and, and then I just keep kind of going because now I'm a believer. No, 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 no. This idea of being constant, consistent, that doesn't matter what comes my way. This is how it's built. The storm hit both. But the one that's filtered didn't change was not contingent upon the thing that happened. Or the person that did this thing doesn't change a thing. You don't skip a beat. I cannot remember the last time, and the answer is probably never, that something transpired in my life and my faith didn't skip a beat. I, I, I can't tell you when the last time that I was like, Phew, that happened, no sweat, God's got it. Because see, I'm not quite that wise. I'm a little more shifting and changing than we would like to admit. And so Jesus says the storm hits both. When it hits this one, not, it didn't change a thing. It, 
it didn't, as a matter of fact, if you, if you listen to the, the message from last time, it says when the floods, that's a current that carries you off, and it, it means enter into the house, the dwelling. It doesn't enter into the house and dwelling. It doesn't carry you off. You don't, it's just it's the same. Can you imagine the freedom? Because the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. You, could you imagine the freedom and not worrying one bit about what's going to happen? Could, could you imagine not worrying about the next time someone's going to tick you off? Because you already know you're not going to lose your head. <laughs> okay. Now he gives us another example of this, this idea of these wise and foolish versions that we talked about. And this was this idea of hearing and doing, but more about preparedness. It kind of said, hey, here's wise and foolish. And, and a wise one hears and knows what's happening. Because see, in that story, they said, hey, there's a wedding about to happen, and y'all are all the bridesmaids, basically. And, 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 then, and then be prepared for it. So they go to do this ceremony, and the wise ones took what they needed, and they took the oil that they needed for the ceremony. The foolish ones were like, yeah, let's do it. And they just took what they needed but did not take the power, the presence. Oil always is represented in Scripture. When you see oil, it is always represented of something called anointing. It's always represented of the Spirit of God, this presence of God. And so they, they took the right thing. So you could say like religion. They got the right structure, but it's just void of the actual presence and power thereof, it's almost like there's a scripture, which there is, that says there's a form of godliness, but it denies power. Because both of those people in the story, the wise and foolish virgins, are also both believers. Mm-hmm. Now, that's all what we talked about last week, and all I want to add is just one little extra thing about this wise and foolish. Now, I, I, want, I want to say one thing before I continue on, because we're going to talk about this wise and foolish servant. So this is kind of the, the ultimate idea as to how Jesus gives it to us. He gives it to us as a builder first time. He's like, this may help you out, all you guys, your builders and something like that. And he's like, okay, that doesn't help you. All you ladies, here's the, here's the, 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 the wedding and the virgin idea. Okay, here's that, all you ladies. And then this one, he's like, this just applies to everybody's servants. Everyone is a servant to something or someone, okay? Just think of your job. If you, like, have to clock in and you have a time to clock in, you are a servant to the time clock, okay? Just think of it that way, all right? So Jesus gives these two examples, then he gives us this servant one. But before I read it to you, I want to say something. If you in your heart and mind right now are thinking, yeah, be wise, hearers and doers, and you're just, like, brushing over this, you are missing. Just think about it this way. If you're brushing over this in your own heart and mind right now, and you're not doing a constant check in your spirit and say, God, how do I become more wise? Not more intellectually knowledgeable so you can be arrogant, but how do I become a hearer and doer? How do I, do, how do I look at every single If you're not constantly doing that, you're telling me and everyone else and God that you've got the majority of what Jesus was trying to tell you. You just, you got it. Think about that for a minute. If he talked about it this much, and his disciples were present every single time, and he still said that they were hard of hearing, which would mean they heard, but they didn't do. Let us not kid ourselves because we've heard something that we're doing it. Okay. This is to me. Y'all can, if y'all don't need it, I'll preach to myself. I do in my... In my 
in my study all the time, I, I start talking out loud, and I'm like, there's no one in here. So now this servant idea. Now, there's something that we should understand about a servant. A servant is, some, is someone who serves an individual, especially in Scripture. So again, who are these people? They're all believers. Matter of fact, in what we're about to read, I'm going to show you three core ways we know that every single one of these people in this story is a believer. Let's read it together. We're going to use Matthew 24. We're going to read it all together. I'm going to point out these things, and then we're going to start defining from the bottom up a little bit. We're going to start in verse 45, but I'll give you a little bit of pretext beforehand. This is happening right in the middle of a pretty long uh, topic that Jesus is talking about. And he's giving us all these different ideas of being watchful and being prepared and, 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 and like sowing seed. He's giving us lots of different analogies and things just to help people understand this one thing. And it's all about the fact of you don't know when it's going to happen. So always be vigilant. And he says this is also wise. So we have wise as hearing and doing. We have wise as hearing, knowing, and being prepared, and now we have wise as constantly doing it. Do y'all see those three things about what it means to be a wise builder, believer? You hear, you do. You hear, you do, and you stay prepared. You hear, you do, you stay prepared consistently all the time. Is anyone seeing a picture of another word that we tend to use, and it says, for all eternity it rings holy Holy, holy. The word holy is the word hagios in the Greek and kadosh in Hebrew. They both mean the same thing. And it means dedicated, set apart for a specific thing like constant, consistent, unchanging, unwavering. So you see how through these different parables that they recorded of Jesus giving, he says, here's what wisdom is. Here is what a foundational element of being a believer looks like. You hear it, you do it, you stay prepared, and you do it consistently. If you get nothing else out of the day, write that down. Wise is, I am prepared, and I'm doing it, and I don't stop doing it. Foolish, I hear, do nothing, or partially do, and I'm completely unprepared for what's about to happen. Okay, now let's read it. So that's what Jesus has given us, and he says this right here. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over the house to give them meat in due season? Okay, meat is like, a, like sustenance, to give them what they need in due season. Verse 46, blessed is that servant. Which servant? The faithful and wise servant whom his Lord comes and finds him so doing. So doing what? So doing managing the house. Verse 47. Verily I say unto you that he shall take him, ruler over all of his goods. Make him, sorry, not take him. Ruler over all of his goods. Verse 48. But in, but, and if that evil servant. Now this word evil right here is not like, like you're thinking, oh, it is, he's just malicious. And he's trying to just steal from his master. The word evil just means like poor, like bad in nature, bad in content, but he's just, he's just bad at it. <laughs> Think of the last time you went through a fast food restaurant and the little 16-year-old kid was serving you and they're just bad at it. You shouldn't have to think that hard. They're not a bad kid. They're just bad at human interaction. If you had Snapchat on, they may would listen to you more. 
Next time you go up, guys, just like talk through your Snapchat filter. Be like, because I'm prettier, will you take my order better? Okay, so, <laughs> so think of it. This evil servant is one in which is just, they're just bad at it. They don't do the right things when they're supposed to do the right things. They just do whatever they want to do. Okay? But the one, the wise one is what? It's faithful. The word faithful means constant, consistent, unchanging, unwavering. And they're doing what they know to do. He said, but this evil servant says in his heart. Now, again, remember, all scripture, spiritual understanding, natural application. So this is, this is spiritual. Because, right, like the servant says in his heart, this means in his inside, in his thoughts, in his mind. It says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. So he's not going to come right away, so he's delaying. And so he shall begin to smite his fellow servant. Some translations say to like beat or to hit. And this idea is, yes, in physical form, but also this idea is in, in like emotional form and all that. It's meaning like, he's like, okay, I just have to use kids, guys. Like, have y'all ever heard your kids when they don't think you're around and like you, you make some noise, like I've done this, like, you know, you make some noise like you're about to come up the stairs or something like that. I'm giving away a little bit of my, and then like, dad's coming, dad's coming. Right? Because they know they're doing something they're not supposed to, but they assume in which they won't get caught. So they're going to do whatever they want to do, and then they're hoping, you know, they're hitting each other, they're, they're, just, they're being mean to each other. Y'all ever had that happen? I've had that happen on multiple kids. Kids, go sit in the car. I'm coming, and it takes me a little bit longer because I talk forever. And like, then I get in the car, and I'm, I'm seeing like one kid's crying, and they're like, and they just freeze, and, they're like, and I'm like, what is happening? What is going on right now? Y'all ever y'all heard that? That's what we do in our daily lives. So he's saying, this evil, this bad servant, so if this is you, this just know, we're a bad servant. We need to figure out how to be the faithful and wise one. It says that you smite your fellow servant, meaning your fellow believers. You're just yik-yakking about them. You're hurt, I mean, just all over the place. Physically and spiritually and emotionally. He says, this is no good. So he begins to smite his fellow servant, to eat and drink, with the drunken. Now, what y'all are hearing right now, let me just, I, I have no desire to have cultural conversation with you. I have desire, brethren, to have spiritual ones with you. This word drunken means to be filled in your belly with something, something you desired. So get it out of your head. We ain't talking about some specific thing about going to the bars and the clubs. and blah, blah, blah. If you want to have that conversation separately, I'd be more than happy to, okay? What this is talking about is one who takes his fill now, meaning my Lord is delaying. <laughs> I can treat you however I want, and I'm going to do me. This is also the dumbest thing in our culture. You can put this and cancel me off of all social media stuff. The dumbest idea is to do you. That's bad. Doing you is a dumb idea. It does not work out for you. Trying to find your own inner peace. No, it's his peace, not yours. All this idea in which by inverting and thinking of yourself, you can somehow get better. No, all that does is make you more egotistical. All that does is make you, no one wants to be around you. Fortunately, you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother called the Spirit of God. And he's like, if you'll change that, like (laughs) everybody will Everybody will want to be around you a little bit more like, you know, I'm just dealing with you right now. Just kidding. It's a little bit of a joke. Okay. <laughs> Are we seeing this? So, so to take his feel now, do, get what I desire now, do it the way I want to do it now. Like I'm just going to consume everything. After all, we are a consumer nation. Verse 50. 
the Lord of that servant shall come in the day when he's not looking. So he ain't watching out for it, right? And he just shows up in the hour that he's not aware. Like those kids in the car when they're not aware that you're right outside, right? Verse 51. And then the Lord of that, of that servant shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. For there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, the very next one in verse 25 is what? The wise and foolish virgins. So see, we already read the virgin one, and so this happens right before it. It's, it's Jesus giving us the same concept and example, just in a little bit of a different way. I want to point out to you a couple of phrasings that we know this is talking about fellow believers. How do we know that? First off, they're both called servants. And the last time I checked, you can't serve someone you don't know is there. So an unbeliever would be one who does not believe in God. Thus is not even considered a servant of God. Fair enough. Okay, there's the first one. Okay. Let's go to the next one. But if the evil servant, so servant, says in his heart, my Lord. So he uses the phrase, my Lord, this bad servant. Meaning, A, he knows who he's referring to. And B, uses the verbiage. Uh, we are, I am going to do that. I just can't leave it alone. The word Lord, okay? We don't use it, like, ever, like, in our day and age, right? You don't go up to someone, like, y'all don't call me, my Lord, Jared, right? We, we're not in, I mean, unless you go to Scarborough Fair today, you, you may do that then. But, right, you don't do that to me, right? But that is how you're supposed to properly address me, in the, okay? Just so you know. Anyone who owns a house is a Lord, so all you guys say, I respond to my Lord. <laughs> now all you women, my queen, okay? <laughs> and, and this is kind of set up like England, so the queen's got a little more power than the king. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so this word, my Lord, is not a name but a title given. Okay? So what is a Lord? A Lord is one who's ruler and master over a thing, like a house. In medieval time, right? Like what happened? The lord of the castle. What does that mean? The one who runs and owns the castle. What is a castle? A castle is like a place in which people stay, like a, like a dwelling. Okay? So this servant who's really bad at it still says that he's lord, but yet he ain't actually doing what the lord said, which would mean that's not actually the lord of his dwelling. The bad servant's his own lord. Y'all catching that? So here's, he says, my Lord. So he knows. Okay, can I just, let me make it a little plain. This story is about believers. So the servants are us and the Lord that is, is God, okay? So meaning the both of these know God. So you can't take this and say, well, the foolish one is the unbeliever who doesn't know God. It says that they say, my Lord is delaying. It doesn't say, I don't believe there is a Lord. This ain't quite hitting home for you guys. This has to hit home for you before I read this next part. There are other scriptures that talk about non-believers and say, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. There are plenty of scriptures that refer to what the idea is of these people who don't believe in any God at all and how we're supposed to, to react and do with that. And it's actually way different than this. This is actually a lot harsher to fellow believers 
Not harsher as far as mean and vindictive, but harsher as far as like just like tough. You know, like those like grown-up conversations. Because he expects you to be mature. But when it comes to an unbeliever, it's like, can I, can I put it in my, my link? It's like kid gloves. And you want to help and encourage and cultivate and bring them to know the reality of who God is through the person of Christ. It's a whole different. And then when you get here, it's like, hey, now you know that thing. And I expect you to know that thing constant, consistently. So thus the way I'm going to talk to you is going to be a little bit more mature. Does that make sense? That's why I say this has got to hit home for you, that both of these, because um, it even gives us another clue. So my Lord delays, so there's another one, and begins to fight his fellow servant. What do we call each other? My brother, my sister in Christ. Fellow servants. We're a family that is just bickering and backbiting and just we're just bad at this. And take our field now. The Lord of that servant... So the one who rules, what, what, what happens? He's not looking, he's not paying attention as to when it's going to happen. What's going to happen? When he comes, now right now, ooh, here's where I begin the enemy making. Right now, each and every one of you are pie in the sky, sweet by and by. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. You're just like, this is one day when, when, when Jesus comes, when the Spirit comes. Last time I checked, in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came and dwelt with man. And see, <laughs> you're supposed to be the Spirit. I'm just going to say this, and if you don't get this, that's fine. We'll talk after. See, we're supposed to be the Spirit of God. So the glory of God, meaning the light shining on him, covers the earth, and you're supposed to be the access point to it. So the, the foolish servant has no clue when someone filled with the Spirit of God comes and says, now you're aware the Spirit of God is here. What you going to do about it? To fellow believers. So before you go writing this off as eternity, you're being the dumb one. By saying, well, we don't know, we don't know. Yeah, because we don't know, A, when that one happens, or B, when the Spirit of God is going to grasp a hold of us, which is all the time if you're paying attention to him. Be constantly vigilant. Well, Jared, are you trying to say that we should pay attention to every little word and thing we say and do? Yeah. Everything. If you're going to say that I am a Christian, I'm trying to be like the person of Christ, and we have a lot of information about what he acted like. He said, hey, first thing we ever had recorded of him at 12 years old. Now, he didn't, like, may not have said these exact words because they didn't, like, be like, Jesus, what do you say today, Mr. 12-year-old kid, right? No, it was the essence of what he said. What was it? Don't you know I'm about my father's business? I'm doing the work of the kingdom. And then the very next thing is, repent, the kingdom is here right now. Change what you're doing. It's here. It is happening right now. Everything he did. Matter of fact, he got in trouble which we're going to talk about this in a couple of Wednesdays. He got in trouble for, for doing good things on a Sunday because you're not supposed to do it on a Sunday. He said, hey, if my father is working, I'm working. This is what it means to be a believer. Constant, consistent. You never put it down. Mm -hmm. So he says, what happens when the Lord of that servant, so now we know, he's gone. And he's not looking, he's not paying attention. He will cut him asunder. Some of your translations may say cut to pieces. Okay, this is not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> dismembering, that's not what this means. Cut asunder here means to cut into two. 
And the cut into two is the same idea that this word sin means, to be missing the mark, not have a share in. And the word death means to be separated, one's spirit from one's body. Now, we look at that in the physical realm. So it says, in that, be split. And he'll be appointed his portion, meaning what, what he gets out of what? With the hypocrites. Why? What is a hypocrite? It's not the thing in Harry Potter called a hypocrite. That's very different. Okay? Uh, that was just for the millennials that know Harry Potter, okay? A hypocrite. We know it. What do we say? It's someone who, who says one thing and does another. Christians. I mean, if you looked it up in the modern dictionary, that's probably what it says. <laughs> if it doesn't, it should be changed. Because the best representation, not of the Spirit of God working in mankind like it's supposed to be, the best representation of hypocrites is Christians. You say, well, it's all people of faith. I don't care about them. I care about the one you're calling because I call myself that and you call yourself that. You're making me look bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's, again, I'm not saying I'm up here with it. I'm saying I'm right here with you. When I look at it in the mirror, it says, man, I am foolish. I am building things the wrong way. I am serving, serving my God in the wrong way. I am not prepared for what he's asking me to do. And then I have to look over here and say, if I've observed all that, now I must do what Jesus said in the first sermon he ever taught, which was repent, change my ways, and say, I'm going to build it over here. I'm going to keep my dwelling over here. I'm going to start serving over here. I'm going to constantly be prepared. Because I don't want the spirit to be separated. I want to stay right there. And I, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. No, a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't want that. Here comes the hammer. Not a hammer of this, but hammer of your, some of you are going to have some questions. And it's cool. And here's the last pretext before I say this. This is the last little statement I have. When I'm about to say what I'm about to say, there are three options of what you're going to walk away with. You're going to walk away with one way over here, one way over here, or what I actually said. And let's read the phrase. For there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And all of your heads right now goes to probably like a Dante's Inferno concept of eternal damnation in hell once you die and like you're like deformed and like, ah, I'm looking at the devil and he's getting me. And like it's this weird thing that's happening. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, sometimes I can still make my wife laugh, guys. <laughs> we look... <laughs> I okay, we got to look this way. Okay, so <laughs> we look at it in this so weird way, and we think this is referring to something that it's not. Now, right now, some of your head are running off on this direction, and you're like, he's saying there is no hell, and there is no hell. Oh, blasphemy. First off, let's just, that's not what I said. Okay? Everybody say that's not what he said. Second off, just to help undergirth this idea, when was the last time you read anything that said your faith in hell was what made sure you were a believer? Some of you have more faith in hell than you do actually faith in God. You're just more scared of that thing, and you think it's more real than you think the Spirit of God is real. And so the only reason you profess it but don't do it is because you just don't want that thing because that's more real to you than the Spirit of God is. And that is straight blasphemy right there. Now, again, some of you are going right back over here saying, he's saying none of this. He doesn't believe in heaven and hell. I didn't say any of that, crazy person. Keep it in line. What I am saying 
is this phrase is not referring to that. Matter of fact, this phrase occurs about 24 times in the New Testament. And like two of them have that kind of an idea. Here, this is quoting back from an Old Testament scripture that is referring to which may be a, 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 it may be a, a period of time or something of that nature, but it actually, every other time in the Old Testament, it's God, the one that is gnashing his teeth, is the exact phrase. David writes it all the time. He writes this idea of God gnashed his teeth at me. And most of you can understand this probably also from your relationship with your spouse in which you, and you're gritting your teeth. That hit a little too close to home for a lot of people. That's what this gnashing of teeth means. You are so angry. You are, you are grunt. You are butt. But it's not just like an anger of mad at anger. It's an anger of, that's where the weeping is, of sorrow and pain and just so much. that. And it's like this. says in this place, when you're in this place and this, there's this, this, this weeping and, and gnashing of teeth. That happens in a bi-direction from the Spirit of God is what it's referring back to in the Old Testament. But it's saying, and this is how you're going to end up being when you finally recognize it, that that's how you were. This is the warning. It is not the thing to put your faith in. Do y'all understand the difference in a warning? It's the warning of Jesus calling back to some Old Testament stuff and saying, hey, pay attention to this because you don't want to end up on that side of it when, you're finally, when you finally get it. Whether it be in this life or the next, we can talk, we're going to talk about all that as time comes. We ain't ready to dive into that yet, Ethel. Let's just hold down. But what it's trying to say here is you don't want to be on the other side of that. So that's the warning. Just to simply say, now go back to the beginning and be the faithful and wise because he's the one that I make the ruler. Now again, just real quick, if you're like, oh, I'll be faithful and wise, so I get mine. That's already going into the evil one and trying to do it your way. You're already missing it. Faithful, wise, builder, servant, prepared, bride is the word that is used for us. This is what Christ was consumed with preparing us for. And he's speaking to the church right here, okay? And when I say, I know like at that time it wasn't called the church. It wasn't looked at in the same way we look at it. But this is who he's talking to. He's talking to all of us. This is not pertaining to the unbeliever. This is him speaking to the believers, saying you find yourself on one side or the other of this. And what I ask you to be is like me, which is where we get the term Christian from. And I do just want to share this one thought just to help you out a little bit. I, I, I kind of was, was meditating on this because I, I really was searching through this weep, gnashing of teeth. And like, I was just really, I mean, I was looking everywhere for it because I, it was just different to me. Like when I saw what it really meant and how it had been portrayed to me. And I started thinking about something. So do you all know what a thought exercise is? A thought exercise is when you actually use your brain for the first time ever today. I didn't say ever, just today in which you are able to take certain thoughts and ideas and concepts and just kind of set them aside for a minute and just run through the scenario without adding extra things to it. Okay? Okay? I used to work at a company that we had to do role-playing. Who hates role-playing? 
you have to do it all the time. Not, and y'all, some of y'all just went really sexual and stuff. I am referring to at work to help you understand. I just saw some like little funny eyebrow. I saw all you, you evil servant. No, <laughs> but like, and we used to have to do this. Like, pretend you're the customer and you're the da 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 da, right? And I always, there was a couple of guys I worked with that I hated because they always said, well, what if they did this? And what, is there always the what ifs? And it's like, we can't get to the concept to actually help you learn anything because you're trying to be so freaking smart about everything. And like, you never know. It's like, yeah, I get that. Just set it aside. And let's just get to the end so we can examine ourselves a little bit. Okay? And this is where the thought led me. This idea of belief in our culture Basically, when we say we believe in anything, it basically merely means the idea in which, like, I say it or I think it, thus I believe it. I think a lot of things I do not believe. They're like, what? He's crazy. You do too. There are times you think your spouse is the devil. <laughs> Just using it as an example, but, but you don't actually believe that, Right? So, our thoughts are probably not to be trusted, okay? So, there are things we think that we don't actually believe. The idea, the true idea of belief, the way we use it is like, well, they said it, so thus they believe it. And that makes it true. Let's think about our current day and age. I say it, I believe it, thus it is true. That is not correct. There's plenty of things we think, we say, that we do not actually believe. So what is belief? After all, that's what we talk about constantly, right? The believers, the belief. What is belief? Well, you're actually using belief right now in lots of ways. You believe that the very chair you're sitting in is not going to collapse. That I did not just take all the screws out this morning. Some of you are like, he may have actually done that to a chair. <laughs> that I didn't remove the screws. That, that they're not made of paper. That like the manufacturer did their job. Right? You didn't just say you believe in chair. You acted on the belief in that chair. So you said it, you thought about it, and you sat down in it. Thought, word, and action. So much to the point do you believe in chair that you don't even question it. You sit in all kinds of chairs believing that chair will hold you up. Y'all are laughing, but some of you it's starting to hit home. You're going to leave from this chair into a new situation, maybe a new restaurant in which you've never been in before. It's chaos and it's awkward, but you will not think twice to sit down in the chair. Because chair will sustain you. You don't even really have much conversation when you go to a restaurant about sitting in a chair. If you're going to go to a restaurant today, before you sit down, everyone pick up the chair, flip it over, and start examining it, and watch everybody be like, what in God's name? What is wrong with these people? Just don't tell them what church you go to. 
Why? Everybody would say, that is so bizarre. It's, it's a chair. It's designed. That's what, it's for. That's what it does. Just sit in it and hush. You'll see it in different shapes and forms, chairs. And you believe. You see, you may talk about, go get a chair. And you believe in chair and you sit down. Got a second thought. Now replace chair with God and we cannot say the same thing. We can't say the same thing about God in one situation that we're in all the time. Can I just hit, hit I'm just slap you upside the face real quick, okay? Me too. You're always in the broke situation. You never have enough money, okay? Just, un- unless you know something I don't know, there's probably things you want to do in which you don't have money in. So that's just a constant situation that's always in your life, but yet you can never believe God. And you're like, oh, yes, he's going to send me checks. That's not what I talked about. You're getting way off the mark here. Let's use another one. Things like anxiety and depression and all this other stuff comes in in one regard because of a new situation. But remember, I talked about the chair. You come into this place, and the literal chairs are moved, but they're the same. And we can't trust. We can't be a believer. We can be foolish, we can say it, maybe we can even think it, but we can't act. We can hear it, but we can't do. We can be in new situations. Did y'all hear me say, uh, you go to a new restaurant you've never been to before, but you don't question the chair. But are we in new situations in our lives? Sometimes new paths that God has taken us on, and we begin to question the very thing that is still consistent, and we can't believe. This is true belief. This is what it means to be like Christ. Because Jesus looked and said, God is God. Does not matter one iota. I'll bring that right back in for it. Doesn't matter. I get it. Y'all bored. Y'all ready to go. Y'all want to go sit in another chair because y'all are bored of these chairs. That's fine. But I want this to drill into your head as an equation. Not to say you poor, pitiful, you're a horrible believer, but to say, how do I rise my level of belief to the wise? How do I become that builder? How do I become that servant? Because I don't believe. All of you are an unbeliever to a point. I'm an unbeliever to a point. And if we really evaluate in our hearts, do this thought exercise and say, do I not just say which is the foolish. Do I not just think, but I do those things and I act on the things. I sit down in the chair. I rest in it. I let God be God in every single situation. We looked at it on Wednesday. It's the word called meek. And this word meek means, can I just, I'm going to give you the definition. I know, I'm sorry. I'm not, but I feel like I'm supposed to say that. Let me scroll up. I want to read it to you exactly the way because I love the phrasing of this. Provided, required, married. I'm looking through all my definitions. Sorry, one second. This was not in my plan, so I'm just flipping over here. When foot's Go. Stop. Okay. I was having a conversation with my iPad. I believe in iPad. But it does not believe it. I know what I want it to do. 
the word meek. The idea is being moldable and pliable, first off. So think of this idea like, you know, clay. Think of Jeremiah and, you know, clay. And the idea is this. In view, I look at every dealing of God as good. Everything. All of God's dealings with this world, with me, are good. I'm moldable and pliable, and I look them all as good, to the point that I do not resist, and I do not argue with him or with any that they are good. This is what it means to be meek, pliable to the will, plan, and purpose of God, and to say that I look at it all, and I just say, is God is good. So much to the point that I'm not even going to resist it or argue about it. I cannot tell you the last time I did not resist something God told me to do. I don't resist what I want to do, but I definitely resist what God wants me to do. I think it, I say it, but I don't sit down in it. Now, before you get mixed up real quick and think I'm saying that you have to work to earn salvation, shut up. This is not what I'm talking about. But this is what it means to be wise. It's not just saying and thinking. It is, there's action. When you observe, just as Mimi was saying with the exercise, when you observe you, someone, you say, there's, there it is. There's belief. There's, there, there it is. And it actually invokes people and in your own self as a reflection to say, I want to be more like that. I want to be, that's when we look at the person of Christ, that's why we're studying all of his words to say, I see that and I want to reflect that. I want to embody that. I want to be that image, that likeness of, of not just wisdom of knowledge, but wisdom of understanding so much to the point that I'm so pliable to the goodness of God and how he deals with things that I don't take a second thought. I don't go, I don't even worry about the set down. I just sit down in it. I just do it. And then, so the ending of the thought exercise is this. Do you need, <laughs> y'all going to hate me, do you need eternity to do the actions God asked you to do? Remove in your equation right now the idea of heaven, the idea of it. Just remove all of it and say, God is still God. Without those things, would you still do everything he asked you to do? And if your answer is no, then you have more view of the hand of God and what he's promising than you do who he is. Which means it's not pure belief. Pure belief says God is God. I don't care about any of that. I just care about knowing him. And when I know him, then I begin to be moldable and pliable and I sit down in it. Now some of you are thinking, is he, is he, he's trying to do away with it. Shut up. No, I am not. Am I saying we shouldn't have a hope of eternity? No. What I'm saying is we either look so much inward in our own circumstances or we look so far out there that we just become stale and stagnant and not believers. We don't move from our place of death, chaos, and destruction. And then we're like, well, one day it won't be that way. No, you're creating it, so it will be that way for you. It will be weeping and gnashing of teeth because you will see it and you never did it. You were never the wise servant. And he says, that's the same. Mm, I know. I know y'all want to hear me say it's not, but Jesus says it is. So argue with him. Yeah. 
This is what belief means. And the reason I wanted to throw that at you at the end is that what does it mean to be a wise servant? Which is the, aside from being from lost to found, God says, now be wise. Once you are found, be found wise. Not hypocritical and foolish. Now, I know it doesn't preach well. And it doesn't make you just be like, God is great. God is good. Let's go thank him for our food. I want us to walk out of here saying, I thank God that he saw fit to put his spirit inside of me. I thank God that he gave us the person of Christ to look at and say, I can emulate that. Look at it. He did it. I can do it because that same power that is in him is in me. So I can be the wise servant if I choose to abandon everything I think I know and all of my reasoning, all of my building, and I, and I grab this. Let it be hope that drives you to become that and just simply self-evaluate that. I'm not that now, but I'm working towards it. And I refuse to become stagnant where I am am in it and refuse to settle for some idea of a pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. That will come for me, but right here, right now, I need to bring the kingdom because I see someone else that doesn't have it. That is what's supposed to drive us. Let me just go ahead and say this. There was a statistic taken not too many years ago that like, I forget the exact, it was like one in every 30 or one in every 100, it was a lot, of believers ever share their faith. Faith is belief, so meaning they don't share any action. <laughs> and see, we think share, like they told about it. No, I'm talking about all those things. Thought, words, action. Like one out of every 30, I think it was, ever even share it. Why? You don't share about something you're not excited about and you don't believe in. I do not walk around talking about aliens all the time because I don't believe in aliens. I'm sorry if you do, but it's fine. I hope there are aliens. It would be so cool, but I just don't think there are. I don't walk around constantly concerned with talking about something I don't believe in. So if we don't find ourselves walking around constantly talking about the Spirit of God, we don't believe it yet. Sorry if I hit someone's toes about the aliens. Please stand to your feet this morning. Real quick, sit back down. I'm sorry. Let me sit down real quick. Seriously, seriously, just real quick. Did you think about that? No. You sat down, no questions. Stand back up. That's what I want you to leave with. You just sat down. You didn't question if the chair was still there. You didn't think someone pulled it out from under you. You didn't think the chair changed. You just sat down.